And so, welcome to another episode, and I am back. Um, Matt is back. I missed you, too. I don't know if you uh, were online at all, but they really didn't like that you weren't on the last episode. Uh, I don't, don't bullshit me. They didn't give a shit. <laughs> they probably, Actually, some people wanted me to replace you with Garrett. Yeah, I know. Probably all of them did. <laughs> I am not a well-liked person. I am aware of that. You know, there's going to be another intro, like, so when we, <laughs> when you put the episode together, the people are listening to right now, they're going to get this first, and then when we roll into the Christian Rose interview, they'll get another Welcome to Dollar Menu Midcarters, because we did that when we recorded the Rose interview. Yeah, we recorded Rose like a month ago, and a lot has happened yeah. since then, especially the big thing being WrestleMania weekend, and we were like... We have a we have a food for thought with Rose, and if people enough people want it, we'll put it out on one of the other ones, um, which will save us time. But uh, if nobody cares about Rose and our food for thoughts, then we'll just throw it away in the trash where we all belong anyway. Well, if no one cares about Rose, then no one's listening to this anyway. So that's fair. So we figured we'd do this. Uh, we'd record a, a whole new intro, talk about Manny and a couple other things. And talk about you losing the hall while I wasn't there, which I appreciate. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, and then I'll end with an outro at some point. And hopefully this is yeah. up by in time. So, uh, yeah, I guess just to talk about the hall real quick. Like I've heard nothing since the 23rd, so I think we're in the, uh, think we're in the clear. <laughs> so, I don't think we lost the building. I guess I'll know if I get a message here before the 26th but that's never been their style so I, I think everything's going to be okay with that but yeah you missed the wild one uh i hear i was sad to miss it but i was in alaska and uh you know once in a lifetime trip you know versus or a different country as we said at the beginning yeah like the first one like i think he's in a different country <laughs> than like right after like, he's in alaska which is not a different country but Basically, it is for me because it's so far away. Yeah, it's basically Canada. So, you know. Um, so that's where I was. I was visiting my good friend Andre, uh, a fellow washer player, as some people who are uh, a privy to the old Petri Day barbecues will know. <laughs> uh, we used to play washers a lot for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. Well, I, think... I know why. It's a great game. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, WrestleMania weekend. Yep. Uh, what did you think I was of pretty booked. I, I, I was booked solid. I mean, huh? I had a lot of couch time watching the NBA booked. Um, <laughs> I know that because I was watching Gary and Parnell live, and I'm like, you watching this? And you go, fuck, I'm not watching that shit. I'm watching the Lakers right now. Or 76ers, whoever. No, I... I I did catch some of the shows. I, I watched the uh, family reunion show. Um, I watched the Black Label show. I watched. Um, what else did I see? Well, we I actually... ended up catching the Pancakes and Pile Driver show on the replay. Yeah. Well, we watched the Black Label Pro at the same time, so we could talk about it in between. Um, and yeah, I watched the I watched the collective. As much as I could. But that's not what people care about. They want to hear us shit on things. They want the dirt. I, I pretty much enjoyed everything I watched. I mean, I do feel like... I mean, some of it does feel rushed. 
because there's so much shit going on. But that that's why, like, I liked, like, you know, places like Independent Wrestling TV that want to do these showcases. Like, you know, I'm grateful for that because, I mean, it, does, it helps out Anarchy, and I'm more than happy to send a match there and, you know, do what I can to try and help. But you'll never see a full Anarchy show at WrestleMania weekend because... I just don't want to deal with all that shit, man. Like, people showing up late because traffic's so terrible. And or they were at another they had, show. Right, they had another show or everything like that. And I just, like, I thought everything I watched was pretty good. I just, some of it definitely does feel rushed because, you know, you got to be done at a certain time so people can leave so the other shows can start. I don't know. I just, I wouldn't want to do that, but... Uh, yeah, it just seemed rushed to me. A whole bunch of multi-mans. You got to get everybody on the card, brother, and everybody who <laughs> rode in the car with them on the card, brother. Right. Uh, yeah, like that's kind of what I liked about independent wrestling. Uh, the main event was just Gary versus Jake. Um, there weren't... <clears throat> I feel there were more, more multi-mans or multi-tags than there were just straight-up singles, and I understand that. Um but I also, like, I'm concerned uh, for a couple of reasons. If you're taking too many bookings, excuse me, the increase to injure yourself obviously goes up. Especially if you're going to go from match after match to another match in the same day. Uh, it's a disservice to your opponent, I feel, to take matches right before their match so you can't play anything. Like, sure, you can call things in the ring, and that's great. Like, I love to do that, too. But, like, if you're going to do that, then it needs to be like you should know in advance you know what i mean so you can mentally prepare yourself for that and then like i feel it does a disservice to the fans who are expecting like you know awesome drag out knockdown fights when what they got was you know a rush job that like oh shit my music's playing this 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 and this and we're out go okay you know what i mean yeah no i can see that but i i think that i think that probably 95 percent of the performers schedule things that way but maybe some underestimated like i mean there are some stuff that's out of your control like traffic and things like that um i had talked to fitchett um i don't know yesterday i think and he was just saying how crazy the traffic was he's like we'd have an afternoon show get done wrestling and by the time we would like change get somewhere to eat and then get to where we were going to go, it would be like 10 o'clock at night already. Jeez. You wouldn't have any idea where the whole day went. But I think some people just, you know, I don't think anyone goes, I'm going to take as many shows as I can. I don't give a shit about anything but that. I mean, maybe some people do, but I think that sometimes just outside factors kind of muck, muck things up and that's it. It's just, I don't know. I just... I like most of it. My only little fucking knock would just be that a lot of multi-mans and things just seem rushed through. But WrestleMania itself, I really enjoyed. I uh, I concur. I enjoyed... Uh, well, I uh, the way I did it was I broke it down into two days, which is what I feel they should do anyway, because I had a lot of things going on Sunday in my personal life. So I watched the, the last half I watched from Batista on, and then I watched the first match, Lesnar and Rollins. And then Monday, I finished Mania, 
and TakeOver. And then today, Tuesday, I watched the day after Raw. Yeah, I, uh... And I feel that's the best I way watched, to do it. I watched that whole damn thing in the one sitting. It was... I enjoyed it. I didn't feel like I was, like, struggling through a seven-hour show. But, I mean, it still feels long. And, like, I love basketball. Like, I mean, I probably prefer basketball over wrestling. And I couldn't sit here. I, I wouldn't like to sit here for seven straight hours and watch basketball. I just, seven hours of pretty much anything's too much. <laughs> I just I just thought it was, it was just too long. Like, I kind of like how they do takeover. You know, it's five matches, and that's what it is. Now, you could do nine matches, ten matches on Mania, and it's just not everyone has to get on. Not 17 matches. That's insane. Yeah, especially because it's not just matches. It's promos, skits, like stuff like that. Like that whole Elias and Cena thing had a fun payoff. But to get there, holy shit, that took forever to me. Yeah, like I, I liked it though. Like, see, I like the skits and stuff. I just... Like, I like the Scott Hall, Kevin Nash backstage gimmick. Oh, yeah. I like that stuff, but, like, I hate to say it, but you don't need two battle royals in there. Like, you, you don't need it. I feel like every title should be on the line. And then if you want to, like, I, it's funny because if you read some of Twitter for a long time, people were bitching about part-timers and this and that. But then this year, there was really only the one... I mean, if you want to count Lesnar and Rollins, I guess you can. But other than that, the only part-timer match was Batista and Triple H. Like, the card was built around their roster. So then you have people go, oh, this mania is not as stacked as past manias. It's like, well, what the hell do you want then? You can't be both ways. Yeah, but, you know, it's easy to say that. And I agree to an extent, but I also, I feel like they can just... I feel like if they made it a three-day event, Friday takeover, Saturday uh, Hall of Fame in the afternoon, and then in the evening you have five matches, which could have culminated with Batista versus Triple H, and then Sunday Mania proper, all titles on the line. You know what I mean? Like that. You know, I wonder though. Let's say they did do that. Okay. How would that? How would that hurt? Like the Indies that run there. If you have a two-day WrestleMania, yeah, you got to get Takeover in there. Mm -hmm. If I'm WWE, so, fuck the Indies. I don't I, care. Well, well, right. I know they don't care, but it would be interesting. It would be NBA playoffs begin this Sunday. But yeah. You will not be seeing me starting this Sunday. Anyway, if so, I just <laughs> mean like if they did that, I wonder how that would affect the Indies because you have your bigger Indies like GCW that would probably be able to still run something. Obviously, like New Japan, the WrestleCon gimmick, they would probably be able to do something. But, you know, some of these, you know, mid-level places, they ran some stuff this year. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how they would all try to pull that off if WWE went the two days and had TakeOver and the Hall of Fame and all that. I mean, I think it would. I think it would put a huge damper on the indies who run. I uh, they they'd have to start Wednesday like day, 
And then make uh, it mean, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. I read a funny thing uh, from that kayfabe news. It's like that joke site. Yeah. It's like a WrestleMania 30 whatever pre-show to kick off after SmackDown tonight or something <laughs> like that. That's um, Let's see. I guess the last thing we can talk about is the uh, ROH Madison Square Garden show. Because that's what you Which really I... wanted to talk about, you son of a bitch. I know. No, Pleasantries are out the door. Gloves are <laughs> off. He's been in traffic for three and a half hours, and Matt is fucking cock-locked and ready to unload. <laughs> nah, I, I didn't even watch it. Um, I, I did shit on the end zone cast thing. Um, and we got shut down real quick about that, so. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's it's interesting. I I can see the other side of the argument. I guess like if those dudes are what they were in NXT or when they first came up, I mean, yeah, they were super over. But the Ring of Honor is a whole different product, and I'm not so sure that you know Enzo and Cass are the Enzo and Cass of them. If that was the case, they probably wouldn't be in Ring of Honor right now because they'd still be in the. Hold on. Okay, I lost you for a second. Go on. They'd still be in WWE? Right. But they're not. And there's a reason for that. So, I don't know. I just... I, I just... Like, I, like, I'm not going to say that, like, doing these ROH tryouts or the WWN live tryouts are bad. I don't think that they're money grabs. I believe that they're legitimate tryouts and people do get jobs from them. So I'm not, like, burying that. But what about the guys who can't, who just can't afford to do those tryouts? Like, well, not every wrestler lives at home still or has a great shoot job where they can afford things like that. So do they just not get discovered? So they have to go a whole different route because they can't afford those tryouts and it just seems to me like Ring of Honor especially isn't interested in scouting and finding guys they just pull from their own tryouts it's like well not everybody can afford that not everybody can do it so I, I think they should still have the tryouts but somebody's job should be to look at this plethora of talent that is on the indies and go, oh shit! You know the besties in the world are a really good tag team. Maybe we look into them. I mean, they had them on the show, and they haven't been back since. And I don't understand it. I watched both the matches; they were good. And it's not even just about like the hooligans. They have a great character. They're a great tag team. How are they never gotten a look by them? And then there's plenty of other people that are not in the Midwest, that are all over, that have never gotten a look. I find that to be weird. I mean, the biggest person I can think of that never got, like, a good look or a good chance would be Kingston. Like, the fact that he's not signed fucking blows my mind. And I'm not just trying to, like, jerk him off or whatever, but, like, fuck, man. Like, he is a rare breed, and it's... Last of a dying breed, some would say. Some would say. To me, it's, it's almost embarrassing yeah. that he's not I, signed. I don't get it. And some of these places have had him. He's been in Ring of Honor. He's been in 
impact. Like, I don't understand it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all that rant, I never really covered the ROH show. I didn't watch it from what I've read online. It seems like as far as the online community goes, the Ring of Honor portion was not so great, and the New Japan portion was really good, is what I seem to be reading. I mean, I don't know. I don't, can't really comment on it. I didn't watch it. But uh, the end zone cast stuff, I just, out of everybody out there, you bring in those guys. And I guess we'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, that's just kind of our thoughts on some of the shows, on WrestleMania. We didn't even talk about TakeOver, which I think had the best match of the whole weekend. Sorry, well, yeah. Gary and Jake, but Johnny and fucking Adam Cole, baby. Like, that was the best match of the whole weekend. Like, yeah, I really liked that one. I really liked Daniel the Dragon and uh, Koofy Kingston. The American Dragon, Brian Danielson? Yeah, he's, he's not the bad. Dragon. He, he is now the Dragon. Even through his whole run, he was great, obviously, in WWE. But he was never really the American Dragon. He is now the American Dragon. Now, who knows what happens now that he's lost the belt. They may dress him up in suspenders or something and send him out on a unicycle. But up till WrestleMania, he was the drag. Yeah, he was the goat. Um, but what do you guys think? What did, like, out there, like, we talk a lot, but, like, you know, what was your favorite match? What was your least favorite match? What was your favorite show? You know, who thought, who did you think impressed the most that whole weekend on the indie scene or the WWE scene? Why was Baron Corbin put over Kurt Angle? All these questions you can answer. Uh, just hit us up on Twitter. And if you disagree with anything that we have to say, obviously we love to hear. We, we love discourse. We love discussion. And you can hit us up at uh, at Heel Money Jovi. You got anything else? Yeah. I think we covered everything I got. Well, I'm glad to hear it. All right. Well, now here's the other intro for our talk. With Christian Rose. I'll see you at the end, guys. Hi, welcome back to Dollar Menu Mid-Carters. I'm, of course, Evangelistico, known by no other names. And alongside <laughs> me is uh, Matt. And behind me is uh, Cinnamon the Dog. Annoying probably, dog. You'll probably hear her kind of rummaging around. If you um, don't fucking sit still. This dog's anxiety-ridden. But anyway... To our left is Gary. We didn't give him any nuts today, so you will not hear him snacking. But yeah, he's fact-checking, so you'll just hear him in the background moaning and pissing like a little bitch. But the most important thing is on the phone is uh, Christian Rose. And now Matt's phone and I are butt-to-butt so that we can actually record his voice. Hello, fellas. How are you? Oh, horrible. How are you? Uh, well, I just opened my first beer of the day. I'm feeling pretty fine. Oh, that's See, good. I'm having a good day. <laughs> yeah. Rose, we'll, we'll, we'll get into us just bitching about stuff later, but uh, we don't really have a format with these things. We kind of just go. So mm-hmm. let's talk about when's the first time we, we had ever crossed paths? Was that Gaw? Uh, I think that was the first time that we ever truly crossed paths, but I think believe that we actually met, uh, Matt, I'm not sure if you were part of this car load or not, but I was on a show, I was injured at the time, uh, for a defunct promotion called NCW, and we had actually brought in Nigel McGinnis. 
And nope. I think that's the first time I was ever on a, a, or at an event with Evan. I'm yeah. pretty sure Evan was there. It was me, Ryan Masters, and um, Eric Freshly. Yeah. Yeah, that was okay. the first time. I, I just remember I, doing a battle royal about it. That's really it. So I apologize. No, I was I was on crutches. I had a, a horrifically broken foot. So I I just remember you guys being there. I think Nigel. I want to say he did a seminar maybe yep. in the afternoon. But yeah, I wasn't uh, there for that. Yeah, it was um, a couple of things, and then everybody was paired off into matches. Right. Um, but so far as like actual interaction, I would say yeah, probably golf. Uh, I can't even remember what golf stood for. Was it great American wrestling? Yeah, great American wrestling. Uh, And it was great American wrestling with Americans. Were you on on the card where they did the, uh, like, fucking battle royal or whatever, and they got real pissed at Evan because he did, like, 20 Stone Cold Stunners in the Royal Rumble? I don't recall that one. I do recall being at a show where they had a battle royal where the Hoolies just lit up uh, D.A. Morrison. Uh, and we watched me. I somehow conned my way out of being in it. I don't remember what my excuse was. I was something like, "Oh man, I got to leave early," and then I stayed there and watched it. And, uh, uh, also, we we used to refer to God as God Awful Wrestling, so I, that's why I couldn't remember what the actual acronym was. Um, no, man, that seems I, I right. Like there was also. There was, I want to say there was a scramble match that. Gary and me, and I want to say one or maybe both of you fellas was in, but now I cannot recall. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't remember much about Gaw other than that most of the time me and Evan just worked the hooligans there. Mm-hmm. No, right. but I think we worked you and Castle at one point, too. See, I think, I think that's right. Yeah. I do know, I do remember very clearly, though, how I came to work uh, for and with you guys, um, in the St. Louis area because I shockingly have a clear memory of this. I had a match with Gary for KAPW and the day before training, man, everything sounds like I'm injury prone. I'm really not. The day before training, I had like annihilated my knee on something. Mm -hmm. And then the next day did not want to cancel on this booking because I was just trying to work anywhere I could. So I put on like two of those compression sleeves on my one knee just so I could like function. And I went to AAPW. I had a match with Gary. I want to say he might have been doing the barn out thing at that time. I cannot recall or not. He, uh, I don't know. But the match was, like, pretty solid. I thought, like, it was good. And I remember Gary vouched for me, or at least he said he vouched for me, uh, to you guys. And then I got in on um, a few of the LWA shows. He did and not. And was just kind of, like, there, I think, when it transitioned to being anarchy. Yeah, no, he did because I I remember that show because we we did that show and then we went from there to Texas and he uh-huh. put you over. Wasn't that the time we did a six man you me and Tom versus? No, that's a whole different golf show. That was a no, that, that was, was APW, but yeah. that was a whole different. I just remember show. the promoter hated you because you grabbed your dick once. It was a family <laughs> show, and I would always do, and not on purpose. It would just be me just being a fucking. Idiot, I guess. And I would always do one un-PG thing in every match, and he'd get pissed off. <laughs> those, th- I mean, those weren't great shows, but those weren't bad. AAPW wasn't a bad place. It was a, it's a territory fed. I guess. 
you know it what stopped I, really good at one point. Like, they brought in some new guys to help run it, and they had, like, better connections. And they were even doing, like, I think they did one or two iPay-per-views. They brought in Generico and Fox for a show. Yeah, uh, really And then, as is often the case, once it got really good, it died. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, didn't the owners then start that other place? Because uh, where we wrestled Aaron's and, uh, fuck, what's the, the other, his, the, uh, uh, SB and it was SB and Ace. SB and Ace. Didn't I, I weren't they in charge of that place? Not probably. Sure. I can't not? remember the name of that. it, but I remember that one of their promoters fucking hated me. Like he would bury my work, and then uh, ended up booking me <laughs> for this show. And we worked SB and Ace, and it went as good as a match with fucking Ace Hawkins can go. Yeah. But uh, all right, let's talk. One thing I do remember about AAPW is Edmund Livewire McGuire, who was always a nice guy. But I never knew when he got to the fucking venue because we would show up; he'd already be in gear. The show would happen. The ring would be torn down. Everyone gets paid out, and we'd be leaving, and that motherfucker would still be in his ring gear. <laughs> Well, it's the only time of the month he got to wear it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Fantastic. But, I mean, Edmund, that, that was that was unnecessary. Edmund was a nice guy, but my neighbor's a nice guy. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's like we always say. I barbecue six, with him. Six, six minutes in, yeah. first burial of the podcast. Jesus. This is going a lot different oh, than I man. imagined. Which leads me to this, say- is be, this is going to be a setup for a spinoff where you guys are going to have like rational conversation, and then the spinoff show is just me tearing everybody apart. <laughs> well, no I'm, I'm going to tee one up for you because see, we, we did one oh, of these. With, we did one of these with Fitchit, and I think well, this is kind of like the format we'll follow with this. Is like we we have to take uh-huh. a break in tw- like at the twenty minute mark so this shit can upload right, and then. Okay. So the second 20 minutes we do, or 25 minutes, we'll, we'll talk about anarchy shit. The first 20 minutes is just us bullshitting. So the tee uh, up the tee up a burial guy you mentioned uh, earlier, D.A. Morrison, hell of a promoter, even better worker. <laughs> uh, never said any, uh, uh, you've never said a greater lie in your life. Uh, <laughs> dude, we could have... For people who don't know, D.A. is just this guy who should have at no point ever episode in a ring, I would argue, I, if I was a promoter, I wouldn't even want him to buy a ticket. Like, I think genuinely <laughs> would just not want him to enjoy wrestling. <laughs> um, he could pre-order a ticket, but he couldn't get one at the door when he came to get it. Correct. Correct. I would take his money, but not allow him to enjoy the product. Uh, <laughs> we could do an entire show just about him. Uh, bullet points. Uh, I have this weird thing, maybe it's just me, I don't like to get uh, touched in or around my eyes. And one time in training, while giving me a hip toss, D.A. Morrison managed to put all five of his fingers into my eyeballs. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm literally pantomiming a hip toss in my head. And the only way, the only, like, I, I, hold on. My favorite so, D.A. story. I, I don't understand was, that physics. Like, I, I'm not going to tell the El Generico story here just because it's so long. And I, we'll do that right. one on a podcast where we don't have a guest. But... Just to bullet point it, he was going to fuck Generico out of, of hundreds of dollars. Uh, yeah. A whole bunch of shit happens. Generico gets his money. You would think that D.A. Morrison would have learned his lesson. Like You would imagine that any person <laughs> with, with a, a portion of a functional brain would have learned their lesson. Well, fast, fast forward seven days later, 
we're on another DA masterpiece with uh, <laughs> with Christopher Daniels. And, of course, he don't have Christopher Daniels' money. And Christopher Daniels is, like, politely reading him the riot act. Well, somehow, our match for this show is five-way scramble. Me, Evan, Gary, Fitchett, Vega. Oh, no, six-man. Vega wants to Oh, okay, Vega's not there? It's just five-way. Okay, five-way. Me, Gary, Evan, Fitchett, Fitchett and then D.A. Morrison. So... Good God. He gets read the riot act. This motherfucker starts gearing down as the music's hit for us to go out. And I just remember looking at him and going, DA, are you out? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? So out the curtain we go. Uh, Somebody, we're in the ring and someone actually goes, well, where's DA? And I remember looking at the fan and going, well, if you stick around for about 20 minutes, you're probably going to see him versus Christopher Daniels. (laughs) (laughs) I did uh, one of his, I I only did like a couple of his shows because I learned very quickly, like, okay, this is not good. Uh, To be, now to be fair, to be fair, um, he always paid me. So, for whatever reason, he always had my money, but wouldn't have, like, Generico's or Christopher James or whatever. I'm like, dude, I'm not, like, delusional. If you had to pay one person and it's Christopher or Christopher Daniels, you'd probably give Daniels his cash. Um, but I remember we did one show for him in Vandalia and got to the venue. And it was not a good venue. It was pretty small, low ceiling. Like, even for, like, a low ceiling venue, it was just not a good venue. Uh, there was upwards of 15 people there mm. and I looked at the card he had three pre-show matches <laughs> <laughs> and one of them had I, I want to say it was Mephisto because he would like rented his ring or something and that particular pre-show match went on for over 12 minutes so and then there was I think me and Danny Cannon were number no, me and Danny Cannon were like the main event, and we were doing two out of three falls. But we were match number 14. 14 on the main card. So. <laughs> 17 matches. You got your dollars worth. Well, by the time the, you know, the show was even a third over, we had been, we just decided like, hey, we're not, like he expected us to do this like 25, 30, 40 minute extravaganza because we had like really good chemistry and, and whatnot. But like, we just didn't. And I think we had a, a two out of three falls match that went like eight minutes or something. <laughs> I'm not even sure if we did three falls. I want to say he beat me two straight and then that was it. And he was like genuinely angry about it. And I was like, the crowd was fine with it. And his response was just like, well, I don't care. That's what I, that's not what I wanted to see. And I'm like, go home and watch it on TV then. Quit wasting people's time. Like, Oh my god! I just uh, I just never understood. You know, he he's a prime example of a guy that just never learned his lesson. Like he he, I I had heard about a show. I wasn't on it, but uh, I think Tony Casino was and the Hooligans, where he he legitimately drew nobody. Like nobody showed up, and they just canceled. Not one. No, not one person, and they fucking wow. canceled it and tore the ring down and. Like, yeah, they ended up having to take it. For a while, he was creating, like, fake Facebook profiles and pretending to be somebody else in an effort to, like, run shows under, like, a pseudonym. Yep. Which, Mm -hmm. to me, is, like, a level of insanity that 
I, I don't even want to like, I, I mean, I want to make fun of it because it, it's very funny, but <laughs> I probably shouldn't, you know. Well, it's, it's just unbelievable. But... <laughs> I'll never say bad about the guy because he was scared of Matt. So he also, like you, he always had our money. Um, but I got a promo out of him where he's just in the background and we're just like, I think it's me, Matt, and, and you. And we're just like, DA, what are you doing? And he just goes, I'm making sandwiches. That's all he said. <laughs> Fucking pot me huge. Because that's oh, what he should man. be doing with his life. I remember physically taking money out of his wallet <laughs> to get money from us. <laughs> that's why he was scared. So one of the first times he told Matt he didn't have our money, he like Matt tracked him down to his car Pulled like didn't pull him out of his car. Got him to get out of his car, and Matt said, "Open your wallet right now." He opened his wallet. Surprise! There was money in there. Matt reached in, took the money out, and goes, "Don't ever try this again." And then walked away. And we left. Now I'm guessing you only took the amount that you guys were owed, right? Uh, no, I took all that money out of his wallet. <laughs> okay, good. I, I have a all of it. I, and this is I remember I told El Generico this. I I, I have a theory. The money's always there. You either have to just take it from them or you have to make them think that you are going to do something bad to them to take it from them. And then the money will I, appear. <laughs> it's there. I only had to do something to that level once and it was a completely different show, a different promoter, but I that guy had to write me a check. <laughs> I was like, I swear to God, if this bounces, I will find you. And his response was, how? And I said, your address is on the check. <laughs> Oh my god, that's that's fantastic. Because it's true, addresses are on checks. Yeah, I, I was just like, what are you talking about? You just gave me your information. Uh, <laughs> Even if, if this does for, bounce. Oh, exactly. Um, and also for the people listening, if you want to actually watch some like bonkers wrestling, and when I say this, I mean like you will see things that you I physically cannot describe. Uh, if you look up D.A. Morrison versus uh, Billy Ray, superstar Billy Ray on YouTube, there's stuff in those matches that it, it genuinely defies physics. <laughs> uh, I have a DVD, the only copy, I believe, in my possession where me and some of my friends recorded like a joke commentary track on bad matches. And we never put it in the public eye because we were like, well, we don't want to make like a public spectacle of these guys. We just want to make a private spectacle <laughs> of them. <laughs> Several of them featured D.A. Morrison. Like, he would do these bizarre... It was like his old body hates himself. So he would try to do, like, a bulldog, and it would end up being, like, a running, screaming headlock takeover into something where he hurts himself. I remember. I, I don't think this will be as funny to people who don't know who D.A. Morrison is because they can't visualize it. If you would have told me today that, like, oh, we're going to do this podcast with Christian Rose and bury D.A. Morrison for a good eight minutes, I would believe that. <laughs> that would be totally in the realm of possibility. But him, another one is him and A.T. Brooks. That's a shit show. Where That's a hot armor. Yeah. A.T. Oh, Brooks okay. still working, do you know?
And sure enough, A.T. Brooks is somewhere with the venom body paint on. Mm -hmm. And just not being good. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm guessing that if you were to ask him, he'd tell you he's loved that character since he was a child. But when the Thor movie came out, he revealed that that he and A.T. Brooks stood for Thor. So his name was like Aaron Thor Brooks. And this was part of his character until that movie wasn't popular anymore, like three weeks later, and then it was something else. He's built a little uh, like Thor. Oh, yeah, just a, a slab <laughs> of a physical specimen. God, uh, God damn it. I, uh... I have... Okay, hold on, hold on. I have one DA... This is actually a DA and an AT story that is just one of those things where I'm just like, are you, are you for real right now? <laughs> so we've established already, even if you've never seen the guy, that DA cannot physically wrestle. Like, he is not athletic at all. He has no coordination. Like, none, okay? They're having a match one time, and the finish was going to be, like, a double count-out. So they had, like, some safe, easy bump on the floor planned. It was something like pull the pads up so that then they're, like, folded over onto each other and do, like, a suplex or something. So you're landing on the pads and just sell it. We don't need you to get hurt. Who cares? It's a double count-out. If you guys want to just girl fist fight each other on the floor, it doesn't matter. Just both of you get counted out. So, DA comes up to me and says, uh, hey, man, uh, I, I found a sort of a better idea for a finish. And I'm like, okay, enlighten me. And he goes, well, it's a double count out, but, like, neither of us can get up. And I'm like, okay, um, I guess. How are you wanting to accomplish this? And he goes, a uh, uh, code breaker off the top. To the outside? Like, Wait a minute. And I'm, no, well, no, no, it, hold on. We're not there yet. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm strapped right, right. in for this roller coaster ride, brother. <laughs> well, buckle up, buckaroo. Here we go. Um, so I'm like, what do you mean, DA? Like, are you on the top rope and you dive out and catch him in a code breaker? Like, I think, uh, I want to say Eddie Edwards does something like that. And he's like, no, we're both on the top rope. And I'm like, excuse <laughs> me? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, uh, what now? And he wanted to do this spot where they would be standing, both of them standing on the top rope, which already isn't going to happen. And he was going to like, remember that insane Rana that Jericho used to do into the ring? It would be like that setup. Yeah. He would just jump and give him, give, give AT a code breaker all the way down into the ring. And I was like, no, please don't do that. Like, that's not safe for either of you. I should have let him do it. Yeah, I was really hoping you you would have been like... In hindsight, I should have just given him a knife and been like, do it with this in your teeth. (laughs) But I had to talk them out of doing it because I was like, one, this is a free show. This is a Wednesday show. You're not getting paid. And two, even if you were, that's insanely dangerous and it's going to hurt both of you. Even if it goes well, it's going to hurt. And so they were like, oh, okay, well, can we do something else? And I'm like, you know what? Just don't do that. So they did a code breaker on the outside where they flipped the pads up and then DA gave them the code breaker on the floor. So he just jumped to take this ugly bump on the hardwood and just rattled what's left of his brain. And that was the finish. And I was like, I don't know, man. I would have just done the body slam on the pads, I guess. But you do you. (laughs) Yeah. I remember oh man going to those uh, IWAU Wednesday shows we did a few of those they were fun like, yeah. I think they still do it don't they but uh, they do it in a uh, a different town I actually did one of their shows but it wasn't a weekly one they now do it on Tuesday nights for some reason and when I got to that venue I thought it was a house 
because it's not the same venue anymore. I genuinely got to this building and I thought it was a house. And evidently it is an old church and the rain does fit in there and they have like, I'm not gonna say it's a bad setup, but it is different, it is unique. Um, and yeah, they run like a show every Tuesday night. So, mm-hmm. and they do like a, a bigger one, uh, I think once or twice or once a month or every two months on Saturdays. I feel like I wouldn't run the show the same day that WWE programming was on, but maybe that's just me. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, Luann Hill ran her puppet show on King of the Hill against the Super Bowl because she knew, she knew that they could beat it. So, <laughs> Such a good your, fucking reference. <laughs> that's indicative of your attitude, Jackson. If you don't want to run against SmackDown, well, you don't have faith in your product. <laughs> you don't have Josh fucking Totten, you piece of shit. <laughs> I remember, oh, I remember Josh Totten give when we had brought Tazawa up there, oh and he my God, what, what yeah. the fuck did he give Tazawa? And then, yeah, he gave Tazawa a fucking diaper, and Tazawa looked at it, looked at him, looked at me, and went, "Idiot." <laughs> I don't even remember that at all. I remember Tozawa being there because I it was me and Tozawa against uh, Cajun Castle. Yeah. I do remember and that. I remember that because. They were very concerned with the match because, like, obviously they don't want to shit the bed, you know, working with a talent like that. And two, like, because that was, like, broken English. And I remember at one point, uh, they both came up to me and they were like, I don't know what's going on in this match. And I was like, I'm, I'll be fine. I'm his partner. I can hurt me a bit. Like, <laughs> I remember. Why are you asking me? <laughs> I, I remember Castle coming up to me and going, hey, uh. Could you tell Tozawa that like we're ready to like put the match together? And I was like, "Well, fuck, dude, you speak as much Japanese as I do. Like, how do you want me to say to him?" <laughs> but I did. Uh, I, I, I remember also, telling him. Uh, I also remember they had some spot planned, and like we're getting ready to go out. And Tozawa comes up to the Castle and just goes, uh, "Small change," and hits something different, and then kind of like walked away to the curtain or wherever. And I'm like, hey, so what did he change there? Because I didn't know if I needed to know, you know, a different time to come in. And Castle's like, uh, God damn it, I was going to do some stuff there. He changed it to where he's duplexing me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, all right. Here we go. Do this plan. See you out there, buddy. <laughs> it was just great that he didn't even realize it until it was being communicated again that it completely got flipped on him. <laughs> I, I just remember when we got there, everybody shook hands and he's like, Tozawa go work out and then like because there was the gym there yeah. and he that's yeah. all that's what he did <laughs> and then finally when Matt came he goes uh, they plan match put me in and then he just went right back to working out until Castle came up oh god <laughs> uh, like IWU actually I, I don't I try not to give it too much help because even though I am firmly against working for free uh, and I did hundreds of shows for them on Wednesday nights and did not get paid it was more like a trade because I got to go there and train two or three times a week and didn't have to pay a dime. I got to use their gym that was in the locker room uh, free of charge. And uh, you got so much reps just right. being able to be there in front of a crowd that every was week. Kind of like, yeah, well, like what we had here with GCW. with GCW when we first started. Like We weren't getting paid to do those shows, but we wouldn't have been working five, six times a month without them. So it, it makes oh. sense. Like, those shows are needed, you know, I think. Absolutely. And, like, I think we're all going to agree that, like, training is, is vital, but there's no training like working in front of an actual audience. Right. You know? um, 
especially when it's the same audience every week. Right. Because then it kind of forces you to like learn how to get your things established and then evolve it and then change it up and get it established and, and you know, lather, rinse, and repeat. Um, I, I really wish that there were more places like that that ran those weekly, weeknight shows just so that people could go get that experience because that's invaluable. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you... Uh... Makes it where the stuff you have gets polished up, and you find out what works and what don't. And those crowds were so easy, even if you fucked up. Like, they weren't a smart crowd. Like, they weren't like a smart mark crowd, or whatever you want to call it. Like, they were just people from that city and our town. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. But we gotta take a quick break here, and we will be right back. Yeah, maybe we'll have a moment in wrestling, or maybe we'll have something else. Who knows? <laughs> We are back, and we are going to dive into St. Louis Anarchy. Now, even though I run the promotion, I don't remember most of it. Jesus. <laughs> so you're going to have to help me through. Uh, such an old man. I really don't remember some of the shit. Like, uh, if people listen to the Fidget one, like, we don't know what order we're going to air these in, but yeah, I that whole Paco frat boy shit, apparently I butchered the whole thing. So, <laughs> uh, Amazing. I will kind of jump around here, but uh, you had a really good match with Tommaso Ciampa. I remember that. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, <laughs> Ciampa I, hated it. It was it was weird because I did not care for that match, uh, but I've had several people say that it was good. So I'm like, all right, well, your opinion means more about it than mine. Um, so I'm going to try to like bring people up to speed and then get to like the fun thing of like of the the best thing that never happened. Right. Um, so like I started off. In LWA, and I think I was a babyface at first, which at the time, at that time especially, I was bad at. Um, and I was just—I remember being in like a lot of scramble matches and things. And then uh, it became anarchy, and I was just kind of a guy that was having matches. Uh, I remember you guys put me in the ring with uh, O'Reilly, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, and it was like good. It was—I want to say it was a tournament show. Oh, uh, gold uh, edition. Yeah, gold okay. edition tournament. And. Uh, that was one that was, like, really good. I know I had a match with Gary uh, not too long before that, or maybe it was after. Again, my timeline history on this is, is something. But at the time, I was very, very stiff, and I grew out of it. Gary did not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you're there. Uh, you uh, I, remember, <laughs> I remember me and Gary had this one match and just beat the, the piss out of each other. And it evidently was really good because I was still having fans would reference that match even during like the last days of the Anarchy shows before NWL. So I was kind of just like there. Well, then um, I remember you guys, uh, you were starting this heel group called Boss. Yeah. And I remember being told, hey, we're going to turn you heel and we're going to put you in Boss. And I was like, awesome, because I knew I wanted to be a heel. I was much more comfortable with it. That's what I was doing everywhere else. And I don't even remember how, what we did specifically to turn it, turn me, but that was it. I was a heel. I was in boss. I was like, okay, cool. This is something. And around that time, I started using the Boston Crab as a finish. And for a real long time, I want to say a year and a half, maybe even two years, uh, every show that I would come to for Anarchy, it was rose over with the crab rose up with the crap and we were I think the plan was building that hold yep and and making it a thing because like I remember the finish for me and Champa was my idea 
and he actually really liked it. And something like he misses a knee strike into a buckle, and then immediately I catch him in the crab and he tapped out. Which like, and it was great because people were it was getting me a lot of heat because I think that people didn't like to see a, a villain tap out, you know, a, a good guy, and um, so we were building that hold for like ever. <laughs> and, uh, so this is where it gets to the stuff that I do remember clearly and the whole best thing that never happened. Gary had the belt for like a decade, right? <laughs> 865 days, I believe. Jesus, that's an exact yeah, number. I think, that equals out to, I think that equals out to 10 years, if my math is correct. In yeah. wrestling, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember discussing this with, with uh, uh, Matt that the plan was going to be that Fitchett was going to beat Gary. And it was going to be like this huge monumental win, you know, like the, the reign is over, finally, you know, because Gary had gone through like Davey Richards and just, and I think Vega as well, and just everybody uh, at that point. And uh, I remember talking to Jackson at a freelance show in Chicago, and he was like laying out this idea or whatever. He's like, you know, uh, Fitch is going to beat Gary. This is going to be like this huge thing. And then he's like, you're going to beat Fitch, you being me. And I was like, oh, wow, shit. Uh, all right, cool. And the idea was going to be, I don't know what the exact finish was supposed to be, but it was going to be something with the Boston Crab. So it's either going to be like, oh, Fitch is going to be the first guy to like break out of it, maybe, or maybe that was the finish. I don't recall. But I said, I pitched this to Jackson at that freelance show, and I was like, uh, because of the schedule of, of Anarchy shows, because at the time you guys were doing the double shot. Yep. Right. And it would be like, well, a double shot like every two months, basically. Yep. Uh, give or take. And uh, so I said, you know what would be shocking? And I pitched this just almost jokingly. If Gary has the the title for, what you say, 860 whatever days? Yeah. And Fitchett wins it and then loses it the next night. Mm-hmm. And I remember pitching this just to be like, that would be some shit. You know what I mean? Like, people at no point would expect that. And Jackson was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. So the original plan was going to be that Fitchett would beat Gary and then drop the belt the next day. And the idea was we knew that Fitchett and Gary were going to do a lot. And I was like, if anything, it helps everybody. You can sell the idea that Fitchett is still beat down from the night before, I'm a, I'm just a dastardly villain, and it's all going to be this like perfect plan to make me the most hated villainous champion that Anarchy had seen. So that double shot, I recall, wasn't even a Friday Saturday. I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Yep. Was that is that right? Yes. Okay. So Gary and Fitchett had this like crazy, crazy bonkers match, and Fitchett wins, and he had this, like, axe wound on his head. I don't even remember what it was from. Prince Ike DDT. Really? What was it? A Prince Ike DDT on the apron. Apparently one of the metal boards, or one of the metal beams. On the anarchy ring, that's death. Caught him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was grisly. I do remember I actually watched that match, though, from, like, the merch stand, because that show, I also remember, I was on, like, second or third. I think I wrestled Outlaw. And I think that's who it was. And um, that was also by design. So that then the next night, the idea would be that, like, Fitchett is this battle-weary, you know, fighting champion. I had a relatively easy match the day before, so it's like, I'm totally fine. Yeah, I'm good. 
the problem here is that like life imitates art and Fitchett was in bad shape. So the next day it was like, Hey, Fitchett can't work. Yeah, he was. Uh, uh, yeah, he faked that really well. He got a lot of ketchup, <laughs> got a fake doctor's nose. Like, I don't want to drop this title, he, uh, man. He, he had a concussion. He, yeah. he lost his smile, didn't want to do the job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he had a concussion on top of that fucking wound, and it was the, it was the concussion that was the worrisome part because yeah. oh, right. No one cared about me. Uh, Fuck you, Gary. So then it decided like, okay, and it was like, okay, well, Fisher is is. He's beat. Like, he can't go. We're not going to be able to do this. Oh, okay. We didn't even feel comfortable because, like, we tossed around, like, you just double-legging him and taking him there, but we weren't even comfortable with that. Oh, I didn't want to do it at all. Yeah. Like, I I remember he came to the show just to do a promo, and I saw the, like, because he got stitched up, I think, or maybe it was glue, but I saw it, like, dude, he he looked like five miles of bad road. Like, Mm -hmm. he looked terrible. Um. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to do it, you know, at all. At yeah. that point, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to do, what'd you say, a double leg or whatever? I was like, no, if he hits his head, he's going to never wake up. Yeah. He looked like um, he got fucked gently by a chainsaw, okay? <laughs> that was a loving one. Um, so instead, what we did was, I know we did me and Gary, and we made a number one contenders match. And we kind of just kept the idea that, like, okay, Gary's beat down, I'm fine, and I beat Gary. So Gary, who had been champ to, like, you know, all of our lifespans uh, lost two matches back-to-back that weekend. And, you know, whatever. So, basically, the plan was going to be like, all right, well, hey, next show, we'll just get back on track. You know, Fitch is going to be healed up by then. Herein lies the big swerve and why this didn't happen. At the time, fully loaded wrestling up in North Dakota was an actual thing. And they were paying me very well. It was like the highest paydays I was getting. So they would pay me well. They paid trans. They put us up in hotels. The dude bought cases of beer for the locker room. Like, they spoiled us badly. And the next show, unfortunately, was the same weekend as one of theirs. And I already had a title for them. I tried so hard to make this work, where I'd just be like, hey, can I just have the next weekend off? And blah, blah, blah. And they were kind of like, no. You know, like, we're investing in you. We're paying you. You've got our belt, all this other stuff. We need you here. So I kind of went back and forth and was like, I don't want to do it and all this other stuff. They were going to do two weeks of fair shows that summer, and we would get paid for each one. So I was in a position where I was going to make like one or two months worth of rent from wrestling that summer. And they basically were like, if you don't come, if you turn us down and do anarchy, we're not going to book you for that summer tour. So I talked to Pierre about it, and he was like, hey, man, like that's financially what you have to do. So I was like, okay, fine. So as much as it was like a real bummer, I didn't do Anarchy. I did Fully Loaded. Then that company folded, and that summer tour thing didn't happen. So the whole thing just got shot in the foot. And then a few months after that, NWL started, and Anarchy was no more. So um, I know that like me and Jackson have joked about it, that it's like, oh, I'm the greatest champion that never was. I don't even remember exactly what the plan was after I was supposed to be uh, Fitchett, I think I was going to drop it like a month later or something. Who knows? It was going to uh, be a build back to you and Fitchett because the whole thing that made the idea work was that you had Gary that had that big reign. But uh, Fitchett's whole anarchy run, he really never, like, it took him years to get the payoff with Dingo. We talked about this in the last the podcast we did with him. 
is like he lost to Dingo three straight times. That he was supposed to work him a fourth and win, but Dingo quits. So Dingo comes back a couple years later, puts over Fitchett. So it's like his whole right. anarchy run is about trying to get what he wants, but it takes forever, and then he has to go back to working again. So it would have been really neat for him to end this reign of Gary as he finally beats him, finally wins the belt, and holds the motherfucker one day, and then loses it, and has to fucking do the whole thing over again. Yeah, so I, like, think, I think that would have been such a great story, and then just, you know, luck and circumstances, you know, wasn't there. Yeah. yeah, it just didn't work out. I, that would have been a very good story. Yeah, I um, I remember after Matt got off the phone with you, um, he called me and he goes, hey, Rose is no good for uh, the next show to win the belt. And I go, oh, well, that's... He explains the situation. I go, that's unfortunate, but it's totally understandable. He goes, yeah, if a millionaire ever comes to me to run a promotion, <laughs> I'm going to fuck him over and give him a shitty mid-card gimmick. That'll really teach him. <laughs> Actually... You sure got your vengeance on me. <laughs> That's untrue. I fucking, I fucking, I pushed for Rose to get on NWL big from the, time. From the gate, I know. Big time. Uh, well, yeah, also, the next one we after Rose, we're going to talk NWL stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, so do you have so any like, fun NWL stuff? Uh, kind of. Uh, I mean, that one kid quit. Um, oh, Austin? So, <laughs> yeah, so my perspective on the NWL thing. So uh, scheduling and whatnot was basically like, I hadn't been at Anarchy for a few months, and I was just kind of like, it was frustrating because we had this like big build and it kind of fell apart and then fully loaded died and you know everything else. So it was, it was a real bummer of a time for me with wrestling. And I remember getting a text from... Uh, Matt one day out of nowhere and it just said December 18th is our last show I just want to thank you for everything November. you've done for Anarchy November but yeah so, uh, yeah November yeah uh, so me at this point just like assuming the rational thing was like oh it's no longer financially stable uh, the venue is, is done you know something that you know causes promotions to go under tax so return didn't I come back him. in time yeah exactly yeah sure it got <laughs> in November the <laughs> Government money didn't come in, so we got to strip everyone of the belt. Um, <laughs> so uh, I called him, and it was just like, "Hey, man, like, what's up? Like, are you, you know, closing up shop? Are you burnt out? Like, what?" And he tells me, which I don't know if I've told Jackson how I thought about this, but he just goes, "No, man, this millionaire's like, in essence, buying out Anarchy. He's going to give me a full time job with benefits, and I'm just going to be a booker for this new company, and it's going to have like all this money behind it." And I was just like, "Uh huh, cool." Sounds uh sounds great, and in my mind I'm like, I don't know what he's drinking, but I want to buy some because it just sounded so absurd, you know, <laughs> like just out of the blue, like hey, this millionaire is gonna, you know, fund a wrestling promotion and and whatnot. Well, so, the way again, Matt describes it is, sorry, go on. Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, it's not that I didn't believe it; it was just very unbelievable, mm. you know. Um, so almost jokingly, I was just kind of like, oh, hey, man, if uh, you ever need this thing, this fanciful new promotion with financial backing, uh, give me a call. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then I was like, oh, he, he's, he's being serious. This isn't like a fever dream or something like, uh, you know, whatever. And then uh, so months, a few months after that, I had to have this conference call, which I had never had one before. I haven't had another one since. Like, it was completely different from any type of wrestling business I've done. 
you know, where it's just like talk to a person or show up, you know, here's some money in my, in my hand, like totally different. And, uh, they wanted to put me in a tag team and I don't mind tag wrestling. It's just not my strength. Um, I think that like the only partner I'd ever really had good, well, me and Castle were okay. Uh, but me and Cage were like a really good team for a bit. But, um, even then, like just not really what I'm known for, but I was just kind of like, well, I just want to be on, you know, I just want to be involved. Um, I thought you and Danny were a good team. That's right. I remember the top guns. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. That was his idea for that team name, too. I was just like, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> Fuck you, come up with this shit. <laughs> that was another example of me just, like, not caring. I was just like, well, we need a team name. He's just like, oh, we should be the Tom Guns. And it's just the gimmick is that we are Tom Cruise. And I was like, whatever, man. Like, let's just... <laughs> Grab a hold, <laughs> goddammit. Put a headlock on and shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you hold? Um, but, uh... Who was the guy that was originally supposed to team with? Oh, shit. I don't know. The Undertaker. Great. I'm glad we're it. about to do an NWL podcast about this. Can't fact check that. Oh, well, I was supposed to originally team with somebody, and then, like, he moved, or his paperwork got messed up or something. Ah, uh, Jason yeah. Roberts. Jason Roberts. Oh, okay, okay. And so I remember just having this conference call, and it was, like, a really weird thing for me, and it, like, threw me off because, like, all I was trying to, and Jackson was with me on this. He was just like, just put Rose on the show and give him a microphone and let him cut a promo and then, you know, just just do that. And that was all I really wanted because I was like, you guys have great wrestlers. I can't upstage that at all. I can't even compete with it. Um, and somehow, some way, this gimmick got broached of us just like not liking people and then it got like really spun cartoonish. Like, I think at one point they were suggesting that we would wrestle in hazmat suits and, like, constantly be bathing in hand sanitizer because we didn't want to touch people. And I had to explain that, like, that fundamentally doesn't make sense. Like, you can't be a professional wrestler who doesn't want to touch people because unless you're, like, Charles Xavier, you have to in order to win. Um, I know that's true because I see Matt nodding and laughing along. Yeah, I was just like, like, like that was one where I'm like, sometimes I like cartoony gimmicks, like over-the-top cartoony shit, but I was like, that one doesn't make sense even in the context of wrestling, which is really saying something, because, man, there's some insane gimmicks that people have made work. Um, but anyways, yeah, that was what started that, and then, man, my whole my whole stretch of NWL was just start and stop. You know, yeah, just, I, hey, we're doing this thing. Now we're not. Hey, we're doing this thing. Now we're not. But it was hard because, like, I'd have to s- sell Chris on like because yeah, yeah, Chris liked you as a worker. So when I would be like, "Well, let's bring Rose to TV," well, it's like a long drive for him. I'd be like, "Well, yeah, but he wants to make it." Well, yeah, but guys say that, and then they'll do it once or twice, then they stop wanting to do it, which, I mean, I guess if you've dealt with a lot of people like that, I understand why you think that, but, like, no, he wants to be here. <laughs> like, we need to book him. So then he kind of came around there at the end, and you started getting more TVs, but then we were... That was the... There was that good TV, the infamous I fucked up in the production meeting, so the wrong guy won your match. Yes. Yes. I'll Let's never talk live that. that. I'll Let's never talk live about that a lot. I'll never live that down. I can't believe I did that. 
Can't believe it. Uh, so for the people who don't know, uh, my I think it was my last appearance there, too, so I'm never <laughs> going to get this win back. Uh, uh, I was on my way to uh, NWO TV taping. I was going to have a match with Stephen Wolf. He's a good friend of mine, great wrestler, good dude. And I, can't, I don't even think we were running late. I think I just wanted to know what was up so we could, like, start talking stuff out in the car. And so I texted, uh, Jackson was like, hey, what do you want for a finish? And he says, uh, you, being me, over, and just however you want. I was like, okay, cool. So we kind of like talked out a few ideas for a finish. Well, then during the production meeting, he's running down the card, and he just goes, uh, next is Rose, Wolf, Rose and Wolf, uh, Wolf over on that one. And I was kind of like sitting in the chairs like, ah, well, that's not what he said earlier. Well, he's got the paper in front of him now. <laughs> this must be what he actually meant to say. All right, cool. So we do the match, and Wolf goes over. And then we get to the back, and it, I actually really liked it. Like, he got, like, legit slash KO'd at one point uh, in it, and the finish we had to, like, change on the fly because he was he was a bit loopy. But uh, <laughs> the match itself was actually good, and it was, like, really over. And so then, like, we get to the back, and I'm expecting, like, high fives and, yeah, man, that was great and everything, blah, blah, blah. And the first thing Jackson says is, why didn't you win? And I'm like, what? Why would I? You said not to. You said Wolf over. And he goes, no, I, said, I wanted you over. And I'm like, that's not what you said in the meeting. And everyone else is standing there. And they're like, yeah, that's what you said. And he's just, oh. <laughs> well, a little known fact is Matt can't read or write. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now it all makes sense. I only use Braille, and those rundowns were not in Braille. So really, it was Major's fault. <laughs> I've never done that before, before that or since. Like I don't know what the hell happened. And it's just odds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, totally fucking wrong guy. And thank God at that by this time, uh, Gabe is running the fucking soundboard. Because if Rupert was running that fucking thing, they would have played. He would have played Rose's music still, even though fucking. See, that was another reason why I thought for sure that. You know that we had done what was correct because I remember Wolf's music played. Yeah, like, yeah, Gabe knew. Like, like out of the ring. I, I'm not going to dive much into specific people because we'll be doing that on the NWL one. Well, chances are people have already listened to it because that one's going to come out first. But so I can say it. Uh, like there at the beginning of NWL, there was just so many people that weren't wrestling people that were involved. Like that Rupert. Great dude. Like, I did a... Love to barbecue I him. did a trip with him once. Like, I had to go back with him from St. Louis to Kansas City to work there for a week. Great guy, but not a fucking wrestling guy. So, he would follow that fucking rundown to the T, just what was on the paper in front of him. So, if something had to be changed on the fly, he'd fuck it up. Because he would just hit... He would have hit your music, and that would have been it. He he fucked Even up. More confusing. Right, he fucked up two big music cues. But finally, it turned into where Major was like, "You got to sit by him through all the shows and make sure he don't fuck up a music cue." If you put so, words on the teleprompter, Ron will that's, read that's them. That's how it was. Like he, he, <laughs> he, uh, Zach Draper actually told the story at NWL one time that made me laugh so hard. Where he's talking about some show, in, I want to say it was Colorado where they had a guest ring announcer, and it wasn't a wrestling guy, it was like a local radio DJ, but he had like you know a good, a good uh, voice for it. And the guy 
is doing ring announcing, and he's in the ring, and instead of giving him, like, uh, cards, you know, with guys' information, they gave him a copy of the run sheet. So he's in the ring, and then just oh. the following contest is a squash match. Oh, <laughs> Oh my God! So, terrific. All right, so we're about at our time, so we got to roll into this story. We, uh, this is one of our best stories, and the good thing is we were all there for this, and that's the infamous uh, IWA Mid South show where Jeff Jarrett and Karen Jarrett are there, and Drake Younger's there, <laughs> and it's uh, Drake Younger's last IWA match. So for people that don't might not know. Drake Younger was a huge part of IWA, former champion. He was like a longtime roster guy. The backbone. And this is his send-off before going to WWE. So, you know, we're all out watching his match. And then what do we hear, Rose? Oh, man. Okay. So from my point of view, because uh, there's, like, there's going to be at least three or four perspectives on this. <laughs> Um, I had had a match that night. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's there. So at the time, like, Global Force Wrestling is, like, the thing that people are talking about. Oh, this new promotion, Jeff Jarrett's going to scout town. Well, we saw, we know how that went. Um, he had watched my match. He said it was fine. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'm doing this promo at the end of the night with uh, Drake. And I'm thinking, okay, if Jeff just sees me on the mic, he'll, and hears me on the mic, he'll, he'll give me a spot in Global Force. And uh, so I'm backstage. I'm waiting for my cue. And nobody has seen Jeff Jarrett. And... I'm like, man, I really wanted to see this, you know? Like, I, I'm trying to, like, put my best foot forward. And finally, he just comes, like, power walking through the, through the backstage area. And he's intently looking for someone or something. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, uh, Jeff? And he just hand up in my face or whatever and keeps right on going. I'm like, okay, well, he's into something. Uh, so I go to the ring. I do my promo with uh, Drake. Uh, I believe BJ Whitmer comes out to, like, make the save or something. That was setting up a match for with me and him the next show. So I'm leaving the ring, I'm sailing towards the back, and as I'm walking towards the entrance, I hear just just shouting, like, from the back, through the entranceway and everything, and it's just, where's my fucking money? Get me my fucking money! And I'm like, oh, something is amiss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With Ian and money? Never. <laughs> so I step through the curtain into the back, and this uh, venue is a, is a skating rink. So when you step through the curtain into the back, to the left was the room where they stored all the skates and then straight ahead was an exit and then like to the right was like more locker room area and you could go upstairs into like an upstairs room. I stepped through the curtain and I see Jeff Jarrett snarling and just veins throbbing in his neck and his face screaming at Ian Rod. And I'm like, oh, this is not a good time to be like, hey man, did you see my promo? <laughs> and uh, he is just screaming, Where's my motherfucking money? Or whatever. And I'm like, oh, he's even sounding slightly ghetto and southern. I don't want to be here for this. So I kind of like sidestep into the room with the skate. And all I can do is just overhear and listen. And he is just screaming about not getting his money. And, and Ian's trying to calm him down and be like, you know, there, I, I don't know. There's a problem with his PayPal or whatever the, the so-called issue was. Jeff, like, snatches John Calvin's glasses off his face, which was amazing, and folds them up in, like, one motion and just goes, I'm keeping these. Like, you're just taking this kid's glasses as collateral for whatever money he's owed. And then people are, like, kind of gathered around for just, the, when I say people, I mean, like, two or three. And they're trying to calm him down more than anything, because Drake is now out there giving his goodbye. 
and you can, you know, this is this noise is spilling into the crowd. Yeah, yeah, you can. Crowd. I, I'm at the gimmick table with Gary. Are you at the gimmick nope, table? No, I'm backstage too. So I'm at the gimmick table with Gary and uh, O'Reilly, and we can hear all of this as clear as fucking day. So the crowd can hear this, no doubt about it. I remember him at one point looking at the the few people that were there, and it's like Ian, John Calvin. Uh, whoever the ring announcer was, and I think maybe one referee, they're all just going to be like, Jeff, you know, calm down, you know, bring your voice or whatever. He just goes, you fucked me. You all fucked me. And just, mm-hmm. one guy just goes, I'm just the ring announcer. And he goes, you fucked me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, none of us are going to get paid. This is so bad. Um, and I think it was like me, Shane, I want to say it was me, Shane Mercer, and I think Congo Kong maybe were just cowering like three grown men cowering amongst the roller skates waiting for this to be over. I I remember Karen Jarrett coming out and interrupting Drake's goodbye speech to to let everybody know that, like, Jeff had been fucked out of some money or something like that. I couldn't believe it. Like, look. Because then didn't Drake just be like, well, whatever? whatever." Right. Well, he was just kind of like, okay, this ain't really the time or place because... And maybe he was fucked out of money. Who knows? But my God, you don't interrupt the guy's speech to fucking let everyone know about it. Like, it, it was. But she was shit faced drunk anyway. So. Yeah. And the know. funny thing about the Karen uh, interrupting the promo thing to then bury Ian on the mic for me was the day before that show was a Dreamwave show. And Karen and Jeff had been there. And Karen got, as we called it, Global Force wasted. And. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> called it caused a one or two smaller scale debacles. Claimed that she missed out on like fifteen hundred dollars because her eight by tens weren't put out on time. And I'm like, how many eight by tens can you fucking sell? Um, anyway, uh, so next day mid south there was a death match on the show, and I want to say it was like Mitch Page and Corp. <coughs> and I just happened to be walking to the bathroom or something, and I see Karen Jarrett just sitting at the merch table by herself watching this, and they're like slaughtering each other with our wire and everything else. So I'm like, oh, I'm curious. So I walk over and I go, so, uh, what do you think of uh, the IWA Mid-South? And she goes, oh, I love it. And I'm like, you, really? Not that, And I'm not even knocking like the show or anything, just like because of the person that I'm asking. This was not what I expected, right? And she goes, yeah, I think it's great. I think that this show has just ran so well. And I'm like, okay. That's not what I expected at all. Well, these guys are, like, in there bleeding out all over each other or whatever. And then fast forward, like, two hours, and she's publicly ripping it apart, you know, on the microphone in front of everyone. Yeah, that, that was an unbelievable... Like, it was just unreal that all this happens on Drake Younger's last show. Yeah. But I think he's doing all right for himself yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm, sure I'm sure he's over. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Well, I didn't realize that you guys could hear it out there. Oh, yeah. Clear as day. Like, you could just... Because I heard Jarrett yelling, I want my fucking money. Like, uh, Yeah, you could hear it as clear as a fucking bell. Uh, that only makes it worse. <laughs> or does it make it better? We'll let you, the fans, decide because we're out of time. And that's how we wrap this shit up. <laughs> See ya, nerds. You got anything? Nope. Cool. And what a treat we have is because we're still recording, we just finished recording the intro, we're going to record the outro together, which is normally just me saying, you know, stuff. Now here's Matt saying, stuff.
What are we supposed to do here? I've never done this part. Jesus, God. This is supposed to take 30 <laughs> seconds and you're already 20 seconds in. You put over Ladies Night and any of the other anarchy shows. Yep. We got Ladies Night coming up. Great April stuff. 26th. Uh, probably should get tickets for that. Is it a Friday yeah. night? Uh, April 26th. Yeah, that's a Friday. The day before PWCS, which is April 27th. So... I expect Greg to plug our show now on his podcast since I just plugged his. I'm sure he will. Uh, You can get tickets at ladiesnight19.bpt.me. Still getting used to the new ticket links, which we're going to do that instead of doing the direct PayPal links. But uh, if you follow us on Twitter at STL Anarchy, there's a pinned tweet there that has tickets for our next three events. The links are all right there. You just click on them and pick up your tickets. Uh, Ladies Night, Hog Wild, May 24th, Circus Maximus, July 19th, all on sale right now. So it wasn't bad, was it? No, no, you did great. So we'll see you guys in two weeks with who knows what because we're not sure what's going to come next. Bye.